You're now listening to the Deep Edge Podcast with your host, technology expert Ray Moda, giving you the rundown on telecom, cloud, and all things business and tech. This is the Deep Edge Podcast. Let's go! In this podcast, joining us will be Amir Creighton, who's Vice President R&D of Customers for DriveNet. So Amir, what's, uh, what's your role then at uh, DriveNet there? I joined DriveNet uh, four years ago at uh, August of 2016, after yeah. a very uh, long period in the Israeli Army uh, technological unit. I came to open the architecture team, led the architecture team, and then the VP R&D of the customers uh, uh, group. Yeah, so I, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about for this, because, you know, there was some announcements, but I think initially, you know, I, I want to just start off by talking about, you know, there's a lot of talk about disaggregation, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. I want to really address is what is DriveNet's approach to this type of architecture, you know, and, and, and how do you do it different? So I think... When it's coming to disaggregation, there could be other vendors that say that they disaggregated the router, but essentially what they what they disaggregating is the mainly the pricing model. So you kind of separate between the pricing model of software and pricing model of hardware. DriveNet is doing things, I think, very much differently because it's coming in layers. We've disaggregated the router, so we're not speaking only an open model for networking. The fact that we're cloud native, the fact that unlike people that came before us, that they were disaggregated, Comolus to very much extent, they're dis- disaggregated. But the way that we looked at it coming in completely cloud native allowed us to come and disaggregate in not only a single box, but essentially almost disaggregated something that tries linearly between one box and a 192 terabit per second router. So I think in that essence, we didn't. we didn't only disaggregate the router, we also distributed the router, which is a very important part of what what DriveNet is is doing. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Yeah, no, I think about the the disaggregation component and the difference there. Now, one of the things that I always get asked a lot, right, is uh, when it's a new vendor being introduced into an existing brownfield network right is when when a service provider selects let's say driving it right is how disruptive is the transition to this new architecture which you say and what do you do to help the sps in that process mm-hmm. so here it kind of it's kind of interesting that we use the word disruptive in two meanings one time as a disruptive technology <laughs> one time as disruptive to that's a good what point is really there, that's there, right there is a what's the really the operational model I think that's one of the things that we understand very early that one, we need to come with an ecosystem. You don't just shove your software. Uh, they for sure, they won't put it into the network. You need to come with a much larger approach which, said, which states, I bring the software, someone brings the hardware and their services coming into play. And I think we bring, I think we bring all of that. And in that case, not only that, I think when the software comes in, the disruption to their ops is not really that big because we give them the holistic view of something of, which looks like a single network entity. For them, yes, they take white boxes, they tie them in together, but once the software is deployed and we take care for deployment, we take care for firmware upgrade, we take care for everything. But once it's deployed from network point of view, you look at the single network entity. Their 
OSS BSF system does not know that now they're speaking with something which is disaggregated. It's our kind of trick to give this facade of you're looking at a single router, even though the internal uh, behavior of it is uh, is based of uh, uh, disaggregated boxes. Yeah, no, that's this is good because I think it's always important. I think you're right when we talk about disruptive in different ways. We have to define it there now. You know, recently I've seen I some. Think, I think. What's that? I think. I, I think if I can interrupt you for one yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah. Another, another play on word here won't be only disrupt the network, but also disaggregation. Because mm-hmm. what you don't want to have here is disaggregation of responsibility. Correct. Of someone coming in and say, oh, I was used to get hardware and software from the same exact vendor. Therefore, I got my support from the same exact vendor. So you have to come in, to come in even if you're going disaggregated, which a model that still give the service provider all the suit that he needs to work in. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think this is something that I've written some blogs uh, related to that piece where I can put some links associated with that piece now. Uh, one of the things is that's interesting about your company is that I've seen some recent announcement. I saw the announcement at AT&T, but you have others, right? And, and the question's more related to, because these are some serious uh, service providers, right, is... What have been the buying criteria uh, that they've used to make a decision uh, for you guys there? Excellent question. I think one, the service provider that adopt us, they have very much an holistic view of how they see their network and what is the segregation in the network with and without regards to driving. I think AT&T is a, is a good example. Then when we come in, the fact that we were able to prove that we know what we're speaking about, we understand big routers, we understand scale, it helped them decide that one, we could simplify scaling. Two, for them, introducing someone like DriveNet is even disruptive within the service provider itself. They want a technology refresh. This technology refresh could come not only from internal things that takes place, but to put in someone like us, which is very software-centric, and around that, around that, you build a more software-centric approach. Lowering the cost, of course, it's 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 a part of the game. It's substantially, uh, it's substantially a more beneficial model, but by itself, it's not enough. Someone could ask, "What is the the purchase cost of a, of a router?" and then compare us to someone else. So it has to come without being able to do all the things that you said earlier. We're disruptive technology, but we do not disrupt the network. We could really feed their uh, uh, feed their inside, uh, and I think another important thing is we're a pure software company. We're not there to sell more white boxes. I'm not gaining more money by selling more uh, by selling more uh, uh, white boxes. So I think for them, it really gives them the it really gives them the benefit that we come in. We want to sell our software. We have it's not always a function of how many routers are are playing this game. So I think taking all of this is important for them. And also room for innovation, growing more services, uh, growing multiple services on top of our technology. I think these are the ba- the main, main buying criteria. Yeah, no, I think the, the point that you touched on, which is important as well, is that when you talk about the support of the hardware, right, it's kind of like when you look at a white box solution type, you know, a lot of vendors what they're looking at like let's say yourself you focus on software is you already introduce 
uh, whether it's partner or alliance or already integrated into the system is a level of automation and uh, orchestration in the platform. So, you know, from the initial loading, zero touch provision and the life cycle management of this, which becomes a vital part of, of, of moving forward and scaling there. Now, maybe, um, Mia, the, one of the, maybe the last question, since you mentioned uh, AT&T, right, and you touched a little bit, but I want to go a little deeper, is where if we look at present mode of operation uh, of how they were doing things today, right, or I don't know if you're at liberty to talk about future mode of operation and what the potential outcomes they look to gain from some of your deployments with this. So even though I cannot speak directly on AT&T, okay. I do, it's, it's an answer earlier. They really have a real holistic view of what they want to do, of how they want to virtualize their network. And I mm-hmm. think we fit in very, very well with that approach. We fit in very well with the way they want to be uh, software-centric, the way they want to deploy uh, services much uh, much uh, faster. Now going to FMO and PMO, I think one of the things here it's it's very very service provider dependent, meaning that we have use cases today which are core. In core, you can go as you said, you can go brownfield and extend, go over the top of an existing core network. You can go side by side and have a new WAN network, but eventually we interrupt. So if it's on core network, we will interrupt with the PEs. We will interrupt with the aggregation router. If I'm going to function a PE with, as a PE, which is something that we're doing, we're interrupting with core devices by other vendors. So I think we give them we give them all these possibilities. But all in all, what where we fit best is for someone that says, I don't want my network to reflect the router anymore. I want the router to reflect the network. And if they have this kind of state of mind, then we fit in very, very well. Yeah, no, this is excellent. I appreciate you uh, answering the question from that point of view. Well, I, I, you know, I, I want to thank you, first of all, for joining us last minute on the Deep Edge podcast, because I think this, this aggregation discussion still needs a lot more clarity. There's a lot of misinformation and misconceptions on the market. And as I do some of these blogs, uh, related to it and talk more about the topic and talk to service provider is important to know about some real service providers and how they're looking to engage further. And I, I think about 2020, right? What is, what has been an interesting year, you know, the topics of simplification, automation in those areas are becoming a higher priority. So, so thank you and congrats on the, uh, the announcement, Amir. Thank you very, very much, Ray. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Deep Edge Podcast. Make sure to follow Ray Moda on Twitter and LinkedIn at Rmoda. If you enjoyed the podcast, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Want even more? Head over to acgcc.com to access exclusive bonus content. Till next time.